Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad and with me is Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, uh, human listeners. Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists and with us we have a very special guest host. His name is Brad and uh, Brad, why don't you tell us a little bit about, ourself, about yourself and uh, say hello to the people too. Well, my name is Bradley Iger. I'm a freelance journalist from Los Angeles. Um, I, I like to drive fast and review cars and um, play with my bulldog. <laughs> that's that's a great way to describe yourself, and one way me and Ben probably would not have been able to do. Well, you know, uh, and I want to point out that uh, bulldog's not a euphemism. He actually does have a bulldog named named Lemmy, and uh, he's pretty ridiculous. He's good people. Yeah. Now, uh, for the people who are listening to this podcast for the first time, we tend to give out some sort of uh, advice, and uh, we're going to cover a couple of topics today. Uh, are you guys game for that? Yeah? Let's I'm, do it. Yeah, let's do All it. All right. So the first, the first topic today is a pretty simple one. What kind of car can you imagine uh, yourself getting away with uh, getting into some trouble? So something that, uh, you know, you, could, you can get away with some sort of infraction, traffic infraction, or maybe even a social no-no, you can get away with that. Um, so I don't know. I'm going to start off with, uh, let's say, a luxury car of some kind, something that's really high, uh, has a high price tag, like a Mercedes S-Class. Have you ever been caught in traffic in a Mercedes S-Class and uh, people are, you know, they would, if you were in a Corolla or something, they'd honk at you, they'd be like, hurry up, get out of the way, you're, you're blocking the intersection or something like that. But I think in an S-Class you can get away with it because you're a baller like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. I think it actually makes you more vulnerable because if you're beside some guy in a beater Corolla with your S-Class and you're fighting for the same lane, he's got nothing to lose. I mean... Right. <laughs> that's, that's true, too. Yeah, there, there's some class right, warfare so, going on there. Yeah, I think yeah, you got to so, be... I so think what's the, your alternative? Well, I think the luxury I think the luxury sword cuts both ways. I think it makes you more, more vulnerable, and I think it makes you more noticeable in traffic. I think if you're pulled over in an S-Class... It's a lot harder to talk your way out of that than if you're, you know, they, they, but you can't go too far the other way because if you're pulled over in a car that's like smoking and only has one seat in it and maybe, maybe no windows like that don't have a crack or maybe the car's on fire. I think like those kinds of things are likely to get you in more trouble once the officer has a chance to assess the situation. That's true. An officer won't really have mercy on you if you get caught uh, speeding in, a, in an S-Class because he knows that you can handle that parking ticket no problem. Or maybe you have people to handle it for you, right? <laughs> so what's your alternative? Hit me up with hit me up with something else. Let me let's 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 hear what else you got. Would you go for right. something more affordable? I got I got some low hanging fruit here um, okay, from a story of my own. Old muscle car will definitely get you out of stuff with certain cops. I, I remember. Uh, when I was still living with my folks, uh, I used to drive like a maniac through our neighborhood. And one of the neighbors called the cops. The cops showed up at my house, and the car was parked out front. And he starts lecturing me, and he goes, so what's under the hood? And <laughs> <laughs> That's like a get-out-of-jail-free card right there. Like, as soon as that <laughs> sentence drops. So, I mean, it, yeah, we ended up talking about the car for half an hour. And he's like, yeah, dude, just, you know, take it easy around the neighborhood. But, you know, I didn't get a ticket. He was totally cool about it. And it worked out for the best for everybody because I was I was more mellow around the neighborhood. I mean, I was like 18 at the time. So, you know, you have to be a jackass at least sometimes. But uh, <laughs> nobody got in trouble. And it worked out really well. And, I mean, honestly, that happened to me a few times with, with old cars. Only old cars. New cars, even new muscle cars, no one cares. Like, they will give you a ticket. They won't even flinch about it. 
Um, I got a speeding ticket and an Aston Martin at a at a at a press program once. Um, while I was like, sort of looking at the like um, guidebook back to the hotel, like I wasn't even driving like a maniac. It was just because I was in an Aston Martin and I happened to be going through a speed trap in in Malibu. And the guy didn't care that I was a journalist. He was just like, you were getting a ticket. <laughs> you know, I, I can back up what you're saying about muscle cars and on older cars too, because. Uh, here in Quebec, there, there there was a big kerfuffle, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago about exhausts, and uh, the tuner community got hit really hard, where if, if you had a fart can exhaust, pretty much, no matter what you were driving, you were getting pulled over and you were getting a ticket. I even got pulled over, <laughs> it, I even got pulled over in my pickup truck at the time, I had uh, twin glass packs at the back, and it didn't have a V8, it had a straight six, because I couldn't afford a V8, <laughs> but the, the police officer came to my window and he said, I can put my fist all the way into your exhaust, uh, your, your <laughs> Your muffler and like I can touch all the way at the back. He's like, that's not legal. But I didn't get a ticket. <laughs> and anyone, I knew people who had Mustangs and older muscle cars, and they they were never pulled over. Same with Harleys, they were never hassled for loud pipes. But if you had a sport bike or you had a Civic or or an S2000 or something, you were getting that ticket. It was it was the universe was out of balance. So it was yeah, just, I think that a lot of it is sort of like, you know, if the cops can relate to what you're driving, you know, on their own personal level, that you're more likely to get their sympathy than you will if you're driving something that's really expensive or just something that's totally a trend that is outside of what they're like, what they grew up with. So you're saying if you're driving a dubstep car, you're probably getting you're a screwed. Yeah, it's over. You're getting arrested <laughs> as, as you should be. <laughs> So that's really interesting. I like that idea, though, if you can drive something relatable to the to the police officer. So here in where where I live, they have a lot of those uh, Dodge Charger style uh, pol interceptors, police interceptors. So mm -hmm. what happens if you were caught in a, in a Dodge Charger like Hellcat or something like that? You think they'd have any mercy on you because it's similar to what they drive and they well, spend all their time in? I'm just going to interject here and say that Brad's actually a Hellcat owner, so he can probably <laughs> he can speak to this. I mean, he doesn't have a Charger, but uh, yeah. what do you think, Brad? I think that uh, they're going to give you a ticket. I don't think that they care. I think they're going to be like, well, that's a really expensive car. I'm sure you can afford this speeding ticket. Yeah, and I think there's also that that gray zone where, like, you know there's some people who really, really want to be seen as police officers but aren't police officers, and they drive, like, Crown Victorias with spotlights on them, and they have, like, big antennas, and the windows are all blacked out. I feel like there's a lot of animosity towards that type of wannabe person. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. It's like the uncanny valley of police, of law enforcement. You know, like when there's animation that's like so real, but not quite real enough that it makes you uncomfortable when you see it. Like that movie Polar Express. I feel mm -hmm. like, I feel like a, a fake cop car is the Polar Express of the automotive world. And it just makes people uncomfortable enough that they're, they're not cutting you any slack. Yeah. Right. No, I, I feel like there's a whole hierarchy of, um, of, of who has authority in the world and cops hate it when there are fake cops and then <laughs> like military personnel who get pulled over by cops sort of have resentment towards them because they are somehow lower in this in the spectrum of of authoritative figures in the world so yeah i mean i think that each one of those sort of does their best to sort of suppress that uh the chances of those people sort of pretending that they have authority over this other person. No, it's it's interesting that you bring up military vehicles because now I'm thinking if I was driving like a 10-ton military truck and I got pulled over, <laughs> would yeah. that help or hinder my situation? Because <laughs> no, I could... it would definitely help. There's no way you're going to get a ticket in video. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean... H1 I've... or something like that. 
I figure if I'm being pulled over, though, I was probably doing something pretty crazy. Like, I mean, what gets you pulled over in a truck like that? It's definitely not speeding, right? It's probably not yeah. speeding. Not with those gear ratios and those axles. Yeah, you're driving, like, over, you know, off-ramps and stuff like that. You Straddling know? the median. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I actually, I can remember as a kid, um, my high school, would we would take these trips to go mountain climbing and, and hiking and stuff into the States. And uh, we were in New Hampshire, and my the, the guy who was in charge of these events was a really cool guy, but he was a terrible driver. He was so terrible that at another event, not this one, but uh, later on, he blew a tire in the van we were driving because we were driving on these cobblestone streets, and he was braking like a madman, and the tire just blew out, and it kind of stranded us. But in this case, he'd been speeding, and we got pulled over in New Hampshire by a state trooper, and he's a captain in the Canadian Army. And um, he gave them his military driver's license. And it was like a get-out-of-jail-free card. Like, as soon as that happened, there was nothing. Like, it was, yep. okay, you're free to go. Of course, the license was in French, and all the rental agreements for the vehicle were in French, and that probably might have played a role as well. But uh, it, was a, it was a lesson I learned young, let's say that. <laughs> I, I had a friend who was, on, who was, a, who was a SEAL, and uh, he, he, is, he was a troublemaker when he was not, you know, <laughs> not overseas. And he got out <laughs> of some things that were unbelievable like but he could he could do it because they'd you know he'd show them his id and they would be like all right never mind and especially you know where he lived down in san diego there was that's that's like a hub for navy activity yeah and uh it 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 was yeah he could pretty much get away with anything well (laughs) you know i think though again like like we were talking about earlier with law enforcement style vehicles i think you can go too far with it i think like if you're driving a tank uh on a highway uh, you're probably not going to get any slack. But again, I don't know what they do. Like in that, because are they going to tow it? They can't tow it. I mean, it's it's just it's there until you decide you don't want it to be there anymore. <laughs> well, there was that guy who who stole a tank from an army base and drove it around uh, down to San Diego. Actually, wow, but, I didn't... Uh, did not end well. <laughs> not for him anyway. Yeah, that didn't end well. Man, he he got high sighted on the center on the on the median on the freeway, and uh, they took him out. But he did get a lot, a lot of work done in the half an hour that he had the tank. He was, he was, I mean, he really, he was going for maximum damage. Like he was in a video game. Like he would pass a car that was parked and miss it. And then he would back the tank up and then drive over it and continue on. Like he was, he was going for as many, as much like damage as he could possibly cause in as little time as possible. So it was like Grand Theft Auto, but in real life with somebody else's tank. Totally, totally. Man, imagine you came home to your car being crushed by a tank. <laughs> I mean, your neighborhood. I mean, he was just going through whole blocks and just running over everything that was parked. Does, I my, mean, ins- it, does my insurance cover this? I, that's a really good question because insurance is notoriously sketchy, right, about not covering stuff that, that they feel they have an argument against. But I can remember on a tangent here, reading my the first renter's agreement I ever had, the first rental insurance agreement I ever had, and I was leafing through it. And there was a section at the back that covered uh, damage if it had occurred if, – if, if anything I owned was struck by a meteorite, I was covered. <laughs> except nice. except if it hit livestock, in which case, no coverage. <laughs> and can, what do you mean? Hold on. If the meteorite hit livestock? Yes. Or weird. Yeah. So that like, is if I, a very specific criteria. And and why is it in my rental agreement? Like it's, it just seems strange. I, I, I'm not renting a farm. <laughs> it was an apartment. 
I think I think you just got a form letter that uh, nobody had bothered to revise for. It's entirely for urban, possible. Urbanites. <laughs> I would try I mean, to sneak. I mean, I would try to sneak crazy stuff into if I was an insurance underwriter, I'd put in weird clauses all the time just to see who reads them. Yeah, I would just love to to know what the precedent was that set that where they had to write that into the agreement. <laughs> Some guy had he's like, yeah, I had 500 cattle killed by meteorites last year, and I, I, need, I need I need some type of compensation. And they're like, well, this is a pickle for everybody. <laughs> yeah, I think that's about right. That sounds good. Um, I suppose uh, I suppose the the real thing would say it was an auto collision. Is a tank an automobile, or is it a is it something else altogether? Or is it an act of God? Is it? Yes, it's a natural disaster. Yeah, I would assume that something like a like an extraterrestrial thing would be considered an act of God. What if it hits my tank? Is my tank covered? You're gonna no, have to take not. a look at your rental agreement there. Bro. What if the meteorite ricochets off the five-inch-thick armor plating on my tank and hits my neighbor's house and kills one of my neighbor's cattle? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you're covered. You're, are you covered for your? For, do you have neighbor insurance? Well, I don't. But see, we don't get along, so I don't want to be sued. You know, that's where where I'm going with this. That's true. Um, okay, I think we covered that. Uh, I can't even remember what the original question was, but I think we covered it pretty well. Um, <laughs> so I, I've got I've got something I want to talk about, and I just found this out today. Um, so here in Quebec, we have a, a different type of law than the rest of Canada. It's uh, Quebec's old. The rest of Canada is not quite as old. So we have a, a Quebec civil code is a little bit different. And we have this thing called squatter's rights, which it's other parts of the world that have this too. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because there was someone in a small town in Quebec who had been parking in her neighbor's yard uh, since 1994. And um, it went on for about 10 years, and then the property was sold in 2011. And when the new people who took possession of the property tried to get her to stop parking there, um, she said, no, I'm not going to. Uh, I'm going to keep parking here. And they went to court, and not only is she still, still allowed to park there, the first court they went to, they ruled that she owned the land now because she had used it for a decade without anyone saying she couldn't use it. And then the owners of the property were like, well, this is whack. We're going to the Supreme Court of Canada, which – or sorry, uh, the, they, they went to the Quebec <coughs> Superior Court. Then they went to the Appeals Court, and then they finally went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court was like, sorry, you don't own this land anymore because this person's been parking here for 10 years, and it belongs to them now. And that's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, so, that's bizarre. Um, it's 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 a precedent now. It's it's the 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 law is, has been upheld, and this person didn't pay for the property but owns it, and a lot of the ruling stresses that fact. But this got me thinking: what other things could I or you or anyone theoretically own by squatting in the automotive world? Like if I went into a dealership and I really really liked something on the show floor. And I, I, I hid out in the dealership at night and I slept in the car and I brought like camping gear and made my own food and no one knew I was there or maybe they knew I was there and they weren't comfortable talking to me about what was happening. And then 10 years went by and that car, is it, is it mine now? Like, can I drive it home? <laughs> or is well, it what my- car stays in the showroom for 10 years, man? Do you want a list? How about the Subaru Tribeca? I'm pretty sure that that, oh. would, stay, that would stay in the showroom for 10 years. Or uh, Acura RLX, there's another one. Um, they'd, move it. they'd move it before then. They'd send no, it to the Crushers, and you'd they, be in there too. They send it to the Crushers? <laughs> for sure. <laughs> what do you think happens at a dealership? Like, what's, well, obviously. What's, your, oh. what's their business model to you? <laughs> <laughs> they'll send it away, I mean. They'll send it to another dealership that might be able to sell it better. 
the wholesale it. Well, if I'm still inside of it, I feel like I should still have, regardless of where the car goes, if I'm inside of it, I'm squatting in the car. But you would have to say something to be like, hey, don't move this, I'm in it. Why do I have to say that? Well, because you're trying to take ownership of it. Well, I guess so. But I mean, this this woman who did this, she didn't say anything to the people. It, it, and, you know, the people who bought the property didn't even know. Um, yeah. What What's bizarre about this is that, you know, squatters rights have to do with people staying in, in you know, I mean, it's, it's origins anyway, staying in a property and not leaving. But in order for this parking space to be useful, you have to leave sometimes and come back and use it, which seems mm-hmm. weird to me that they can't just like put another car in that spot once she leaves. <laughs> well, what's funny what is, is the, to... what's Sorry, the point on. in even having the parking spot if she's, I mean, is she literally leaving the car there for a 10 year span? Because it, <laughs> it doesn't say, <laughs> but it, it does say she was using one or two parking spaces on the neighbor's property. So what's yeah, interesting, so what's interesting is um, I don't really know if the, 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 the whole land is hers or just the part she was parking on. But what it, what the court tried to clarify was that you can lose title to property if you don't use it and someone else is using it. So that kind of suggests that they lost the whole thing. So, you know, again, ownership of the original property isn't in question here. So if I went to if I went to Wendy's or McDonald's and I just hung out in the drive through lane in a car for 10 years, um, that would theoretically eventually do I get the whole restaurant or do I get just the drive through lane? I think How? you get just a drive-through. They have to build a new one around around you. <laughs> around you, yes. Around or on the other drive-thru. side of the building, well, they have to. <laughs> would you just start? Would you just start if you owned it? Wouldn't you just get in there and start or serving people and making all the money for them? No, no, no. I mean, I, I think I would charge them rent. I think I would <laughs> let them. I think I would let them use it, but I would it, first. I wouldn't just let them use it without saying anything. There would be a legal agreement, so I don't get re-squatted. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And I think I get like a Winnebago, and I would park it in the lane, and then it would be. And you know, this applies to to almost anything. Like, what about a car wash? Yeah, if you just sat in the car wash for ten years. And yeah, and you know, car washes are noisy, dark places. I mean, you could, if it's one of the ones with the crazy brushes and stuff, no one really knows how those work or like what's actually <laughs> what's actually yeah. inside of there. So yeah. people say, oh, I saw someone in the car wash, and then the guy who owns the car wash or girl, she's going to be like, oh, yeah, that's possible. <laughs> like, I, I think what you do is you get, like, a totally ratty old, like, Jaguar E-type or something like that, and you push it onto a lift, and they'll leave it on the lift for 10 years, and then eventually <laughs> the lift belongs to you. Yeah, and that's you can true. start working on it. I mean, that's, that's the actually... only way you're going you're gonna to make it, you know, a, a savings by doing this. That would totally work. That would 100% work. <laughs> You could, and then you, you you charge rent for the lift, just like the garage. It's like a barber chair, you know. Like you you rent. It's the same thing. Yeah, no, I think that this this is our new move. This is this I, is the I way to make money as a journalist. I love the idea, especially though I liked your idea of the part for the parking. I mean, at least her her claim on the parking. What what about on the on a government street or or a side street? If or I just want to park, yeah, the airport. The airport parking lot. Like if I leave a car there for ten years and then come back and I'm yeah, like, this sorry, is this mine, is my man. spot now. I don't it's have a to long, pay for it. It's the long game too, which is what's fun. It's like this isn't just some casual hoax. It's like this person. Well, you know, I I I, I kind of don't think that the lady who her name is uh, Ellen Ali. 
I don't think that Hélène really planned on getting this property in her own name. <laughs> I think she just wanted to park her car. And I think that if the people who who bought the property from her old neighbors had just said, yeah, you can keep parking there, they'd probably still own that land. <laughs> Instead, they made a big deal of it. They brought her to court and, you know, joke's on them. Or, I mean, why didn't they just tow her car if they wanted it out of there? I mean, if they owned the property and then just park something else there. I mean, it well, just seems like there's some strange um, a, a, a format of politeness that's going on here that backfires. Exactly. This is the Canadian thing. It's like, oh, I guess, I, I guess she's using it and we're not. So It's true. And, and you know, the, there's probably even more of, an, of, a, of a politeness issue where they probably call the tow company and the tow company's like, well, you know, did you try talking to her? And like, <laughs> it's private property, and we don't really want to get involved. Yeah, you and... really ought to ask her first. You know, it just seems rude. <laughs> That's insane. Um, but what else? Like anything, any automotive space or any place you would have put your like. What about the kids? Like your your where you go to drop off your kids, for example. Like at a school, you just sit there for ten years. Oh wait, that's kind of creepy. I guess. Yeah, if you sit in front of a school for like longer than two hours, I think you get arrested. Yeah. Yeah, or at least put on a list. <laughs> okay, then then, <laughs> then what happened? Don't oh, worry, Sammy. They can't put your name on the list more than once. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> That's a toughie, I mean, man. They can bold it. <laughs> or underline it. Underline uh, they, it, yeah. They just won't strike it out, unfortunately. They can update the photo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's wearing a shirt now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't think, it, you know, it, it's tough. You got to pick your battles. I mean, this person, she, she definitely scored big. Um, and I think you got to, I think if you want... If you if you want something big, you're gonna have to plan it out. You can't just like show up in front of a school and creep everyone out, and then ten yeah, years no, late. Yeah, no, it's a commitment. Although, as we've proven, maybe you don't have to like be there all the time because she, like Brad said, she wasn't parked there 24/7. She was using the space. So if you're using that spot in front of a school, then theoretically, maybe one day it'll belong to you. Yeah, just put up a little sign, a little placard. Yeah, like, or like in like in Boston, when when it snows, they have this system that I've never really seen anywhere else in the world, where they put chairs. Like when it snows and there's snow bags, you dig your car out, so people don't steal the space that you dug out because obviously that's you know a, a, a murderous offense. <laughs> um, <laughs> people will put a chair with like a piece of wood on it in the spot, and that that alone is enough to keep people out. And if you mess with that, if you like move that chair. You're probably gonna have your car vandalized to the point where you you'll, you won't want it back. Wow, that is an honor system that would never work in San Francisco. That well, that, I, that, that chair would just be demolished within five minutes. <laughs> well, you know, I I think that the snow mellows people out at the same time as it fires them up when you steal their spot. It's like, it's it's a fire and ice kind of thing. Yeah, and there's there's a physical element to the snow, and in, in that you have to dig yourself out of it. That that we don't have to. That we Californians don't have to tolerate. No, I mean, it, if I guess for Californians, the equivalent would be like a mudslide. Like if there was a mudslide <laughs> that took out your parking spot and you dug yourself out, you wouldn't want you wouldn't want someone parking their Hummer like in your mudslide it's spot. It's true, but but we have no decency as Californians, so I, I could see that absolutely happening in a moment's notice. 
<laughs> what, Sammy? I think you had another uh, another something else you uh, wanted to talk about today. Actually, I wanted I wanted to ask you one more quick question about this ten year the squatting thing. Is do you think that's why there isn't any ten year lease or or finance rates? Because after ten years, it's yours anyways, and you shouldn't have to uh, pay for it at that point. Well, I think I think if if you've been paying interest for ten years, <laughs> you probably bought like three cars already. Like, well, yeah, <laughs> so we're the, not the company's about okay that. with that. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. Um, so the third idea I had was uh, was a little bit more um, was a little bit more I think maybe easier idea to grasp our our, our minds o- around at least for me I was having a tough one with that last one. Um, it's um, what kind of stock car racing series would you like to see next? And I think me and you have both seen things like uh, Spec Miata or uh, the Nissan Micra Cup, which uses these very lightly modified um, versions of stock cars that we see on the road, and uh, and pit them all against each other in this really competitive. Um, Series. So, what would you like to see next? I got one. So, I got one. All right. Alfa Romeo 4C. That would be a fantastic <laughs> spec series. I would love it. It would be great. Hey, 20 years from now, someone will do it. I, I feel like that's absolutely going to happen. And those cars you, would be awesome for that. Do you really think there will be enough Alpha 4Cs on the market in 20 years to make uh, a spec series? I'm not saying that because of anything wrong with the cars. Just that you know, they're they're not big sellers. Like. The, I think the reason Spec Miata works is because there's a billion of them. Right. And no, I mean, absolutely not. This is just a dream of mine. But <laughs> Sam didn't ask what will likely happen. He asked yes. what I want to have happen. What I want That's to see happen. That's what I want to yep. have happen. Well, uh-huh. what, what, what do you think would be so great about Spec uh, Spec 4C? It's perfect. I mean, the car is well-balanced. It doesn't have a ton of power, but it's got enough to be really fast. And if you put slicks on that car, it, it would be really easy to drive quickly. It's small enough too. It's everything about that car is right. It wouldn't even be that hard to like retrofit it for an actual race series. I think it would be a, a great car for that. It would it be expensive is, though. Yeah, it would be expensive. It has doesn't it have a carbon fiber tub too? It does. Yeah. And it's got a dual clutch gearbox. I mean, and it, there's, it would be expensive to maintain, but maybe you know, 20 years from now, that stuff will be you know ancient technology. Who knows? And build quality from uh, Alfa Romeo or Fiat Chrysler might not be uh, worthy either. Wow. Yeah, I mean, we haven't seen the long-term, you know, reliability of the motors, but most there's not a lot to that car. I don't really know how much could really go wrong. And I mean, if you look at what a Spec Miata is actually comprised of, there's not a lot of wiring you have to worry about. I mean, it's just an engine and transmission, gearbox, you know, it brakes, suspension. I mean, basic car stuff, and everything else is like sort of superfluous, and you should get rid of it. Now, Sammy, when you say when you say stock, do you mean like? Like the stock cars from the showroom are racing each other, or do you mean like you can do like tube frames and like NASCAR style modifications to a certain car? And okay, then so it? like NASCAR, NASCAR, and, and what you see in the showrooms are, I think, are are much more different than what you see in a spec Miata racing series or a or in Micra Cup and what you see in the showrooms. Uh, yeah. So I'm trying to I'm trying to make that distinction. The NASCAR NASCAR, which is called stock car racing. They don't look like anything, and the engine that you get in that car is nothing like you would get in a in a car. Camry. On a, in the, in, yeah, in the Camry. There's no right. Camry, right? Okay, so if, if it has to be a stock, be. if it has to be a stock car, that's that's a, that's an interesting question. I think that uh, <clears throat> I think I the North. Mind. I think I agree. I think you should you should be able to strip everything out, and you should put like a you know you'd put a, a brace in there, and uh, you know like racing regular racing stuff and slicks. But it's still like it's not like you know a tube frame and, and a V8, right? Right. Well, I think I think that North America is pretty underserved when it comes to uh, when it comes to van racing. I don't think <laughs> there's there's currently a, a van series of any kind. Unlike in Japan, 
where they race these Dodge vans, like full-size cargo vans uh, on road courses. So <laughs> You mean like sprinters? No, I don't mean – well, I would like sprinters, but in, in, in I'm talking about like Dodge vans from the 90s. Like the <laughs> the super non-competitive square vans that no one yeah. bought, but except and we're in not going to talk about reliability here. <laughs> yes, yeah. okay, fine. Well, I'm not waiting 20 years into the future. I'm doing this now. So in my spec van series, you can bring any van, any so van you Astro want. Astro vans. Astro vans are a great option uh, with that 4.3 liter V6. I think they made an all-wheel drive Astro van too. Um, or a Pontiac, uh, what's it called? Pontiac Transport, Transport the, the vehicle I learned to drive on. You can bring a, <laughs> mm-hmm. you can bring a Sprinter, so you can get that extra high center of gravity if you want. Yeah, Transport <laughs> seems like it's got the, the right arrow for that, you know. It does. It does. Sort of it does. Are you it, kidding? You know? What about the the Toyota, the Toyota, uh, the Previa? Yes, the Previa. 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 The supercharged, yeah. supercharged <laughs> mid-engine minivan. Van. <laughs> So right away, I mean, I remember my aunt had a had a Previa, and it was terrible in the snow because like I, the weight was like right in the middle of the vehicle, so it would get high sided all the time, and he just couldn't get it out. Like the wheels were like, nah, it's not happening because it's rear wheel drive. So, um, it was just not the best winter ride. Uh, but on a racetrack, I mean, I think it's an unproven, an unproven uh option for aspiring racers. I mean, think think of the other vans you could have too. You could have like. The those high ace vans from uh from Japan, the mm-hmm. ones with the ice maker and whatnot, you know, like the 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 the, the Toyota vans, the Mitsubishi Delicas. Um, Wait, hold up! Did you just gloss over this thing that it was an ice maker? Yeah, you could. You didn't. So <laughs> what? I don't know what the hell you're talking so about. So in the middle of the in the mid '80s, Toyota asked a question that no one else had asked before, but really should have, which is why doesn't a minivan have an ice maker? And they made that an option, and you could buy those vans with ice makers installed inside of them. Uh, they were just the Toyota van. That's what they were called. They didn't have any other name. And it's funny. Uh, ben Su, the guy who runs the um, Japanese uh, nostalgic car uh, website, he has one right now. <laughs> and his has the ice maker in it. It doesn't work very well, but it's there. Very well. I love that it doesn't work very well. What does it make well, instead of ice? <laughs> I think it just makes electrical fires. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Which um, could be an asset. I mean, if you're on the track and there's someone behind you and you want to throw ice at them and, like, distract them, get them off their game, make them miss the apex, I mean, I think the Toyota van is your ace in the hole. I, I like that this is also turning into a Mario Kart series. <laughs> well, of course. I mean, it's already ridiculous. You can, can you imagine the sliding doors, too? Just, like... Actually, would a Rondo and a, and a, and a, and a Mazda 5 count in this series? I don't know. I think if he ran a, a Mazda doesn't 5... doesn't count in any series. <laughs> <laughs> it's a B, is there a B-spec version of this race where you're... I, I think the, the, the Mazda 5 would get, like, a heavy penalty. If you're running with the big boys and, and girls in the in these full-size vans, I don't think you can show up in a Mazda 5 and be like, yeah, I'm a van, too. Like, it, it is a van, but, it, you, you know, I mean, in the interest of fairness, I want everyone to have a good time in my van series. All right, that's cool. I was also wondering, the reason I brought this up is I was wondering if there would be, if there should be a Fiat 124 Spider uh, racing spec series just to go like con- completely parallel to the Mazda MX-5. Was that also a reliability uh, oriented series? I don't I guess, I guess not. Well, I mean, the format of Spec Miata now is sprint, is sprint races, you know, 30 laps or so. I, I, I mean, I think that the 124 would be the cars are about equivalent in performance, you know, everything yeah, but, said and done. And I think that you could you could do it. You could run them in the same series. It's a long time from now, though. I mean, those cars are so much faster than the NBs that, that are being used in Spec Miata right now that you're you're like in what is that uh, Super Miata 
Cup or whatever they call that. That's that's like a whole different thing where they're using like ND cars, which yeah, are the a MX5, lot quicker. The MX5 Cup cars. Yes, that's that's yeah. also what I was thinking of as well. Yeah, well, that I mean, that's also a, that's you know, I think that once you start talking about MX5 Cup, I mean, how far away from stock are we at that point? I mean, the drivetrains are, are stock, but everything else. I mean, you've got you know different suspension. Obviously, you're on slicks, and you know you got a cage which adds which adds rigidity. Um, the cars are much lighter. There's nothing in them as far as content goes. But I mean, it's not. They're not too far off of, of what a production car is. I mean, you're still using you know, production bodywork, and mm-hmm. you know it, the, the chassis is more or less similar, aside from like the suspension tuning. Um, but one thing I would say, I recently had a Challenger TA press car. And it got me thinking about how I miss homologation specials. And I would love to see a series that actually promotes OEMs in doing those. Like, you know, in the 60s, the big three were making a bunch of homologation special cars. You know, you got the GT350 um, and the Challenger TA and, and you know, the, the Barracuda, a, the ARCUDA and uh, Z28, that, you know, Boss 302. Um, those cars all existed because they needed to, to make these cars uh, homologate them for, for Trans Am which is a totally different series now. It's all tube chassis stuff. And so it doesn't matter. They don't need to build um, homologation cars anymore. And they don't really need to do it for Pirelli World Challenge or any of those because those, or, they, they or don't even have rally. rules for that. Yeah. So it would be cool if someone started a series that got popular enough so that it kind of forced the OEMs to create homologation specials again, which are rad cars. I mean, the Ford GT kind of is that to some degree, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's $400,000 and, you know, it applies to a very small subset of people who are enthusiasts but if they made like homologation special camaros or whatever you know that might be kind of cool i mean we kind of have that already in like you know things like the zl11 le but take that to a step further where the car actually has to be configured really similarly to what the race car is and create a series where the cars are actually similar in performance to their production counterparts and look like their production counterparts well that that's kind of what nissan's done with the micro cup in canada <clears throat> mm-hmm. It's probably the closest to actual stock racing. I mean, it has a cage, and you're missing the airbag. But and the rear seats that, are gone. Yeah, but aside from that, I mean, it's stock drivetrain. Um, I'm pretty sure you have to keep everything sealed. Although I'm not, I'm not 100% on that. There's different and, front brakes and tires as well, and that's. I think nope. that's it. I don't think uh, there's an exhaust. I think. So consumables are, are changed. It's it's not like MX5 Cup where like you know you can get pretty granular with stuff, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hey, Sammy, you didn't say what what you uh, what you would see as a spec series, but what what's your stock uh, stock I'm, racing I'm fantasy? I'm a Toyobaru fan, and I want to see some '86. I want to see spec '86. I think that would be dope. yeah, that would be uh, awesome. Or to go on your uh, to to take a riff on your idea, Brad. Um, you know those drift those Formula D '86s that you see all the time. Those like super sweet, huge <laughs> like. Yeah, I want to see some of that in a, in a modern car as well. I want to see it the other way around too. I want to see some drift-ready FRSs, like even more so than the, than the stock one or 86s. So does that come with like a giant um, novelty handbrake thing sticking up out of the center console and a, a welded rear diff? Like hell yeah, guys? yeah. And like that gnarly um, that gnarly stance that comes with some of those cars. Yeah, those like a ridiculous turning or, or turning no, lock no, to lock. Yeah, or no bumpers. <laughs> But you know what we'd probably get if, like, we asked for like a Formula D um, spec car, like, or a Formula D package from the factory. We get like a car, a Toyobaru with like a big D on the hood, like a yeah. decal, and then like a decal of someone drifting down the side, yeah. and then and then different wheels. Yeah, that's yeah. Like, yeah. That's even different. smaller tires. You know? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah. What else? It would also be. I, I also think that all small cheap cars should be in a racing series. I love the Micro Cup. I think I it's agree. one of the funniest. I think it's one of the funniest things to see in person, and it's really competitive. And I think the the Mitsubishi Mirage should be in there, and I think the Sonic. Uh, sorry, the Chevrolet Spark should be in there as well. I think that would well, be they, hilarious. We used to have uh, the Echo Cup, the Toyota Echo Cup. I don't think the Echo oh, was yeah. ever sold. I don't think the Echo was ever sold as the Echo in the states. Um, but it kind of morphed into Yaris Cup, and those cars show up on uh, classified sites every once in a while. They're really, really cheap, but they're super stiff. Like they're like these tiny little square front-wheel drive cars that can, you know, go up on three wheels around a corner because it's so easy to just put a cage in and connect everything to everything. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. I mean, front-wheel drive series to me are inherently a little less appealing, but they're easier to get into because, like, they're just inherently less dangerous if you overcook a turn you just sort of understeer through well, the unless corner. you're in unless uh, you're in a tall hatchback and you end up like rolling it down which is <laughs> what happens frequently in micro cup wow high center of gravity on those cars huh yeah well they're not they were never designed to race right I mean, that's what I, that's what makes it fun you know like with the vans i mean it's gonna yeah. be the same thing it's gonna be carnage I think of, of all the ones we suggested, the one that's most likely is undoubtedly the FRS BRZ series. That that could actually happen you know, over time. But, I mean, to your point earlier, Ben, I mean, they've built more than a million Miatas. But how many how many FRSs and BRZs have they actually sold and will they sell over the course of its lifetime? They that's sold true. one to Sammy. They, that's true. They should they should they should do something that with a, a, a model of car that's really popular, like uh, pickup trucks. Let's see a pickup truck race. Corolla Cup. Right. Corolla Cup would be sweet. You know what would be fun, too, is um, is if there was, like, this – you had a division just for old luxury cars, like S-Classes, <laughs> Jaguar XJ. Endurance race. Jaguar XJ, Fleetwood Cadillacs. Like, you have a wheelbase requirement. Buick Roadmasters. Yeah. We should get the, into, like, the cheap luxury, I think, is the best way to do that because then it's a low cost of entry. So you got, like – yeah, like, Oldsmobiles and, like, Buick Regals and Roadmasters. Something and with a North no, Star? There's no rules. Yeah, yeah. There's no, the North Stars are totally cool. You could run a diesel if you want to do the fuel mileage <laughs> angle and like outlast everybody. Run like a 300 TD S class. But it's a, definitely there's a wheelbase rule, and there's a weight requ- there's a weight requirement. It has to weigh 4,000 pounds. <laughs> oh and man, it, your consumables are all brakes in that series. Exactly. Running exactly. like 12 piston Brembos. <laughs> are there are there special luxury requirements needed in the car? Like it needs to have heated seats or like yes, the leather one has of, to. Yes. One of the one of the the uh, unique features of the car at the time it was sold has to still work. So, <laughs> so like if it was that Toyota van, the ice maker has to work. But since we're talking about uh, luxury cars, if it, if it's like a, an S class, the um, the massaging seats have to work yep. at least one of them. If it's if it's a, a Buick, gee, I don't know, I don't know. Oh, oh, the uh, the digital dash has to work. Or like the digital voice dash te- for sure. The voice that tells you the door is ajar has to work. <laughs> and it's like, like tested before and after, so you can't fake it with like your phone. <laughs> I love that idea. Oh my god, we should we should pitch this to some uh, racing. Uh, uh, bodies that'd be great <laughs> i think it would be great i think it would be a lot of fun oh and if your car had air suspension you have to run air suspension you can't yeah. like swap in some like crappy kyb uh shocks it's got to be like on the bags and if you want to slash the bags and just have it run on the ground you can do that too but <laughs> they have to they have to be there i mean i think that the series already exists now it's called lemons <laughs> yeah yeah but lemons there's too much whimsy this is like this is this is not <laughs> this a whimsical... serious 
This is serious. It's very serious. I'm going to tell you how serious this is. It's so serious that every car has a race steward riding in the right rear seat <laughs> the entire oh, time to be That's... chauffeured around the track. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So there's two five-point harnesses in the car, one in the front. Well, let's not get crazy. Let's not get crazy. (laughs) Yeah, good luck finding the guy who's going to volunteer for that gig. Oh, my God. Well, you know, if if you want to get involved in motorsports, sometimes you have to get in at a very, very, very low level. Yes. (laughs) This is like, this pays for your, like, uh, racing fees for the next race. You know, like, instead of having to, like, pick up cones or something like that, like, you could just be the... be the test dummy just, who sits in the back of the car. You can be the steward, the steward with the helmet, the shared, the communal helmet. Um, <laughs> I have another idea. Uh, it's open wheel pickup truck racing. <laughs> what? <laughs> Where so... you remove the box and the front fenders, so basically it's just the cab and the hood. You have like the hood is stapled closed uh, somehow, <laughs> and 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 Rubbin's racing. So whatever happens out there happens. Wow, I like it. Yeah, I like it. What's that series called that they do um, at some of Imagine. the uh, street circuits where you they set up ramps in the middle of the of the street? Oh, stadium super stru- sta- stadium super trucks. Yeah, How about yeah, yeah. amateur stadium super trucks with these <laughs> open wheel trucks? <laughs> yes. Oh my God, we'll see, we'll break so many things. Can you That's imagine if you showed up part. with like a a dually truck and you just used the dual rear wheel to like flip everyone over your entire race? <laughs> oh, and you, you get you, a nickname you can, for that. There'd be a rule where you could install the dual rear axles at the front of the truck too, if you wanted to, to have like a quad. That dually. doesn't sound I, like I don't stock know. racing. Oh, well, man. well, I mean, it sounds it's pretty stock. I mean, <laughs> the body's missing too. He didn't say anything when I said that. I was getting now, close to it, but I between I'm making a compromise. I mean, that's just weight savings right there, guys. Yeah. Because there's there's trailer racing, right? Like you've seen people race while they're towing uh, camping trailers. You've seen that. No, I haven't. That's a I, thing. I People, okay. so so okay. I feel like I feel like my I know truck tractor series. Pulls. Is that like is that the same thing? No, this no, is just no. pure carnage. Like the, Tra- the tractor pulls are awesome. Trailer <laughs> racing exists for the for the sheer purpose of just causing as much carnage as possible, and just to, I mean it's the the ones I've seen anyway. It's the last event of the night, you know, for a, a night of multiple different classes running, and it's because. The course is completely littered in debris after it's done. Like completely. It's like it's it's just fiberglass everywhere. It really it's really shocking how poorly built most of those trailers are. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's plywood and fiberglass. That's pretty much it. And glass, which is yeah. you know, it's it's there. There's no crash standards. It always creeped me out when I would see people like riding along in the back of a of a trailer on the highway, like. They'd be like, "Oh, do you want to ride in the trailer?" I'm like, "No, I want to survive this trip." Like those, this, it's kind of an either or thing. <laughs> There's just no, there's no crash whatsoever, no crash standards whatsoever involved in that. I'm pretty sure it's the same for motorhomes, but uh, I, I, that's just a suspicion. I don't have any proof. Yeah, when somebody crashes into one of those things, it just looks like like paper mache. It's like driving through course. a, it's like driving through a billboard. Like it's, yeah. it's not. <laughs> oh man. Well, I think I think uh, I think we've explored the uh, entertainment possibilities of our racing series here. I love um, it. I'm I'm considering uh, pitching this idea of Lux Kana, which is like this Jim Kana thing, but in a in a in a, in a completely uh, drab luxury car. What do you think? That's an interesting element that you you turn me on to. How about an autocross series? Only with old luxury cars. <laughs> and the pylons are just. They have to be bone stock. 
you know, like stock radials, stock suspension. Like, so it's just, just body roll all over the course, yeah, but like super the- <laughs> technical course. And like, like you have guys, guys and girls leaning out the window and touching the asphalt like through the corner, like that's that's a big style, that. yeah, big style move. And you 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 wear a glove that has uh, metal on the end so you can spark it up. Yes, this is working. There we go. This is working See, we've nailed me. it. We've solved something. And who says we don't come up with some useful advice in each of our podcasts? So what do you think? That was a good one, huh? Yeah. All right, and in that case, I think we're going to have to say goodbye to our listeners and goodbye to our guest host, guest host Brad. So thanks for coming along, Brad. You bet. We, appreci- we appreciate it. I appreciate being uh, asked to do it. It was a good time. So uh, for anyone who wants to hear more of us, probably without Brad, because we're not sure if we're inviting him back, you oh. can go to unnamedautomotivepodcast.com and uh, hook us up there. That takes you to our our SoundCloud site, but you can also go to iTunes or Google Play Music and just search up Unnamed Automotive Podcast. And if you want to hit uh, Sammy up on Twitter, how how would they do that, Sammy? They can find me at Twitter on Twitter at Sammy underscore Ha. That's H-A, like you're laughing at me. And they can also find you on Twitter as well at Hunting Benjamin. Brad, what's your Twitter? Do you have a Twitter account you want to share with our uh, listeners? I think their best bet is to stalk me on Facebook. Brad okay. Bradley Iger. That's I G E R Iger I G E R. There, there aren't that many of them in America. You'll, you'll find me. But don't search in Czechoslovakia, a country that no longer exists. I realize as it came out of my mouth. Well, I can't wait to uh, talk to you guys uh, next week. Uh, hopefully at the New York Auto Show. Will you be there, Brad? I will not. I will be safely at home um, in my pajamas. Perfect. Are you implying so that New York is not safe? <laughs> It's it's safer for me to to wander from my bed to my office to do work than it is for me to actually have to get up and go into public to do it. I just find a way to make that a dangerous situation for myself, either emotionally <laughs> or physically. All, all right, right. And now, we'll, well, next week we'll discuss the top ten muggings from the New York Auto Show, <laughs> and we'll discuss all the things Sammy learned in an alley at one in the morning in Manhattan, and hopefully they come back with an accent. <laughs> And an accent and not a stutter. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So have a good night, everybody, and thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.